You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Okay, everyone, very excited today to bring you Kamal Ravikant. Kamal, I've, I've looked into all the things that he's done in the past. He does a lot of different things. But first and foremost, he runs a VC firm. He's an author who used to be in the U.S. Army Infantry. I mean, he's trekked one of the highest base camps in uh, Himalayas. He's walked 550 miles across Spain. He's lived in Paris, bungee jumped out of a perfectly good hot air balloon. He's done a lot of different things. Basically, I want to kind of bring his life wisdom to us all. And he's, he's also got a fascinating story. Um, which we're going to cover in a little bit about how he basically came back from the dead. So first and foremost, Kamal, how <laughs> is it going? Thanks, man. It's good to be alive. I'm glad to have you alive, man, so we can share your story with everyone. So yeah, I mean, I mean first and foremost, I mean, I gave a little introduction for you. Tell us a little bit about uh, your story from your own words. Yeah. I mean, like, look, uh, I've been doing startups in Silicon Valley since the late 90s. And then now I run my own VC firm, which I also built. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I'm a builder. So, you know, I always joke like I make the, I make a crappy employee. So I just I, so I became a founder instead. So I just start things. So I started companies and then I wanted to go uh, investing. So rather than uh, joining a VC firm, I built my own from scratch. So that's kind of like what I do. I like doing my own thing. I, I was in the U.S. Army. You know, I write books. I've been very successful in writing books that literally changed lives. That's my passion. That's, I think, what I was put on this earth for. And yeah, that's me. Cool, man. I think I want to start with the book first because the book basically shows, you know, how you look at the world. It's it's your obviously it's your worldview, right? And it, all your maybe a lot of your mental models are in there. So, can you talk about your latest book? Why you decided to do it? Because people are thinking probably, wait, he's a VC, shouldn't he be focused on making money? But that's not exactly it, right? So, why did you do the book? What is this book called? What is it about? Well, the best way to make money is to be internally your best, so you can actually even enjoy it. The book is called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It. And and it's actually the revised and expanded edition of a little book I self-published seven years ago that went viral and became a huge hit. And it was actually about my experience after I hit a bottom where a company I'd built and I put all my money into it and I lost everything after four years and I crashed and I, I fell apart with it. And then what I did to work on my inside to change everything. You know, I'm a big believer when you work in your inside, it shifts your outside. It's just one of the fundamental truths of life. And it was very simple. It was very practical. It was just one man's story and it really connected. And I, over the years, you know, like it's changed so many lives. It's literally saved lives. I, I met people who told me you stopped them from committing suicide. I met people who told me that the first time they felt confidence in their life, self, felt self-esteem, but the first time they start to love themselves. A lot of entrepreneurs actually have read that book. And then over the seven years, and this is the interesting thing as an entrepreneur, when I published, self-published that book, I put my email address in the back of that book. And guess what? People emailed me. And then over the years, I got questions as well. And there was a pattern to the questions. As you know, it's like you get feedback on a product. After a while, you realize, okay, if the same feedback's coming up again and again, there's something here. And I realized I held back a lot because I was scared. I was scared of sharing my story of failing and then doing what works on the inside to change my life. And so I really sat down, spent a year working on this book and really sharing deep how I do what I do, how I did what I did, even how I failed and how I had to like do it again, the internal stuff, because it's the internal stuff that matters. That just came out two weeks ago and already, man, it's amazing. I'm getting all these emails and messages and Facebook stories about how it's changing lives. It's truly gratifying. It's the most gratifying thing I've done because it's a pure expression of me 
putting it out in the world. And like any product, you know, I've worked really hard on the craft. I've worked really hard to make it simple and true and honest so anyone can read it and walk away and apply it. You know, those are the best things that I found in my life. So that's the book. That's awesome. So title is Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Is there a story behind the title that you can share? The story behind the title is a talk I gave at something called Renaissance Weekend, which is like TED, but everyone has to give a talk or be part of a panel. And they asked me to give a talk for two minutes. And it was an audience of like Pentagon officials, senators, a whole bunch of like media executives and stuff. And this is after like I'd lost my company and I'd, I'd worked on this on my mindset and I changed everything around. The talk was, it gave me two minutes. The title of the talk is If I Could Do Anything. And I had no idea what to speak to these people. Like they were pretty impressive people. I was quite intimidated actually. And I got on stage and I, I had a talk prepared and I threw it away. I was like, you know what? Excuse my language, but fuck it. I'm just going to be me and I'm going to share something real. And I was like, I'm going to tell them about like how I learned to love myself and how that changed everything. And I just for two minutes babbled, just like literally like these people did, but, but sincerity and truth. And I, you know, at one point I was like, look, you got to love yourself like your life depends on it. Because, you know, at that point when I was doing it, my, it did, I was in a very bad place. And so the title actually came from that talk. The book came out a year later, but that title came from that talk. Awesome. And so the way I interpret the title too is like, it's kind of like if you don't love yourself, then your operating system internally can be all screwed up, right? That's kind of what you're saying as well. Well, the thing is like, look, how many of us do? How many of us were taught this? I never was. How many of us stopped to think about it? And you know, it's not like I got to sit around and think, well, I got to take bubble baths and drink champagne. Although that's nice. That's not loving yourself. That's just maybe a form of self-care, but loving yourself is a mindset. It's a way of being. It's a way of feeling about yourself. It's where, right. it's where your thoughts arise from. It's, it's interesting how many, how many entrepreneurs and founders struggle with mindset, struggle with like, you know, imposter syndrome, struggle with feeling bad because like every day you're challenged, man, every day you get up and you're challenged. That's part of being an entrepreneur and it, it can wear on you. So like the mindset is the most important thing because if you have your mindset right, you can handle anything. But if your mindset's off, it's going to be a shitty journey. Got it. And so to, to kind of double click on that one. So you talk about mindset. What are some ways you've learned to kind of cultivate a really strong mindset? Maybe you can draw some stuff from the book. It's all, you know, comes from a way of basically creating a foundation of loving myself. And it's based on neuroscience, but I don't mention that at all. You know, it's, it's because it's my journey. It's basically using, you know, the concept of neurons that wire together, sorry, fire together, wire together. So using that concept of breath and light and even like, even questions I ask myself when I'm having to make a choice. And one of the, and it's a very simple, but it's very powerful. A question I ask myself, if I love myself, what would I do? So if I have to make a, you know, usually it's when I'm about to make a crappy choice, like do something that's not good for me. Do something that's, that's a poor, like an old habit or a poor choice. And I ask myself, if I love myself, what would I do? And it's a very sincere and honest question. And the most important part is the if, because there's no wrong answer. It's, it's an if question, right? And so, when I get the answer, then I can make the choice consciously. I can still choose to do the thing that I was going to do, but it's a conscious choice now. And I'll tell you, man, when you start making conscious choices by asking these kind of questions to yourself, it really changes the trajectory of your life because eventually you start making better choices. It's just a very human thing to do. So the book is actually, you know, the, I think the reason why this book does so well 
is that it's actually a very practical book. It's one man's story. It's a guy who's an entrepreneur, who's a builder. He's not a self-help guru. He's not someone who uh, studied, has a PhD. It's just a guy who works to figure things out. You know, it's that same mentality. What's an entrepreneur? Your job is to figure things out every day and just be better at it. You know, just make things better. It's the same thing that I did with the mind. Love it. All right. So when you talk about the book, you talk about how like it's done well. Are there any, because people on this podcast love numbers, right? What kind of numbers can you share or maybe awards that you won from the book, anything like that? Well, look, I'll tell you, forget awards, you know, like you know how many emails I've gotten tell me that this book stopped them from committing suicide? Share that number. That's awesome. I mean, dude, I don't count those and nor will I actually ever share that. Yeah. That's so personal, right? But I get enough. I've actually met people in person. I've become friends with them who told me that as well. It's insane. And I get so many people, you know, I get emails from people like from a 16 year old girl. So like, you know, veterans in the seventies, you know, telling me they're applying this for the first time in their life. They feel good about themselves. And, you know, I've actually thought about this. It's like, I remember I was going to tweet about this, but I didn't. It's like, you know, this would be an interesting metric for your product. The number of lives changed. What would that metric be like? That's what amazes me about this book because all I did was share my story of what I've done. And it goes off and... I mean, look, I have tens of thousands of emails, you know, let's not count them in Twitter messages and Instagram message and all that, you know, telling me this. Right. It's, it's really, it's something that I tell entrepreneurs, you know, like it's when you do something that's true of you, you're not doing it because it's a hot market, but you're doing it because this is like you, that you were born to build this product. This is something you care about, something you genuinely care about. When it works, man, it feels even better. It feels so good. So this book, I didn't put it out to make money. I had a career in Silicon Valley. Why I didn't need to put out a book about loving myself. I thought it was going to be the biggest laughing stock in the valley, man. But I did it because it was true and it was real. And you know what? The success from it felt even sweeter because of that. That's awesome. Can you talk about before what happened, right? You, you said you weren't in a good place before. You said you lost everything. What happened there? It was a company that I was building. It was uh, for four years. It was good. It was doing really, really well. And it was in a vertical that no one had beat Google and Yahoo at the time. And I was, I was the first startup to overtake business, real business away from them. I'd self-funded it for years. And, you know, self-funding a tech company is not cheap. I had some of the best talent. I was known for having some of the very best engineers in Silicon Valley. I mean, it was the talent was off the charts and great talent is not cheap. Right. And I built it and I ran out of money. So I raised money and it was very easy to because it was, it was a high profile thing. And I think about six months after I raised money, the whole thing blew up and I lost everything. And I lost all my money. I was living off credit cards. I was miserable. I was depressed. I was suicidal. You name it, man. I was not in a good place. You right. know? And that's where this loving myself came from because I had to shift everything. Otherwise, I was, was going to destroy myself. It was a d commitment I made to myself and I set out to keep it. After you've kind of gotten healthy again, gotten a healthy mindset, gotten a healthy operating system. So you decide, okay, you know what? I'm going to start. You started investing, right? So can you talk about your firm? What's it called? Kind of what types of companies people might know? Just a little story about the firm. Yeah. I mean, the firm actually came from a conversation with my brother. My brother's a very successful investor in Silicon Valley, right? And we were, we had gone to visit our mom and we were driving back and we were talking about what I'm going to do next. And, you know, I'm a big believer in, like if you start a company, you have to want to solve a problem, you know, so a problem you really care about. And I was telling him, look, man, like there's no real problem I really care about solving right now. So I don't want to start anything. I guess I'm going to have to go get a job somewhere, like be a VP of something somewhere, you know. But I have some amazing experience. I can pretty much go do anything. 
But I was like, oh, I'm going to have to get a job, work for people. I mean, look, I've done it before, so I kind of <laughs> joke about it, you know, but like, but I do like starting things. And he was like, well, look, you've helped people in Silicon Valley for so long. There's like, there's some big, pretty big successes made like household name companies that I helped the founders are very, very early on. I enjoy doing it. Helped them either with advice or connected them with funding or connected them with the right people to help them not get screwed in funding. And he said, like, look, you do it. So and then also your friends always like bug you to get them outside of Silicon Valley. They bug you to get them into the very best deals because you know everyone and people like you. People you've helped them. Right. So they, they'll always let your friends in. He said, like, you're basically a VC without the carry. He's like, why don't you just formalize this? So I actually thought about it. I was like, you know what? There is a problem I want to solve. You know, I've had really great investors invest in me and I've had shitty investors invest in me and shitty investors make your life hell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like, look, I would love to do, be a VC who was actually just a former CEO, just a former builder who's now writing checks. So what would that guy do? That guy would just be like, here's a check. I'm going to leave you the hell alone. Call me when you need help and I'll make it happen. That simple. Investors that get too involved are pain in the ass, and most of them are not the ones you want helping you. You just want the one, like, you know, that you can call Kamal and, hey, I need this customer closed, or I need this thing happen, or I need this many customers, or, I need help with funding and this and that. Can you make it happen? And Kamal makes it happen. That's the VC I wanted to be. So I went out and raised a small fund, friends and family fund, and it was a very simple pitch. I was like, look, you know the access I have. The key to investing is deal flow. Anyone will take your money, but those are not the people you want to give money to. You want to give money to people who don't need your money. You want to give money to the one that everyone's trying to give their money and they get to select. Those are historically the best returns. So, you know, I went out and said, like, look, I'm starting this VC firm and you know the access I have. I'll get your money in the very best deals in Silicon Valley and I'll be helpful. And if you are part of this, if you're an LP, then if you need, if I need help from you for one of our companies, you have to help. That's the deal. Otherwise, I don't want your money. I raised the fund. It's called Evolve VC. I was off to the races and it's done well. And that fund is fully deployed. I'll probably raise my next fund this year. And it's very simple, man. It's, it's just backing great entrepreneurs. It's backing good people. I like backing people in the, cause I do seed mainly, right? And seed is not spreadsheets. Seed is not business models. Seed is betting on a person and their idea. And can they pull it off? You don't know if so. I mean, you're, you're making bets and I, and I love betting on people. So it's actually very simple. I love it. You know, actually, there's this one piece that uh, Howard Marks from Oak Street Capital, a memo he released recently on, it's called You Bet. And the entire memo, 16 pages, is about how a bet is basically you're, you're just making a decision with an uncertain future, right? And that's what it is at the end of the day. So I recommend reading that to everyone. We'll drop that in the show notes. I guess my question for you, Kamal, would be, you know, a lot of people now, like sometimes when I go to the conferences, I, I see like people, their title is like investor, right? Like really young. And so like a lot of people right now, you know, they're flush with capital. They they want to become investors. I guess the question would be, you talked about you'd raise a small fund. So how do people get started, even if they want to get started with angel investing or potentially start their own little fund as well? When you say small fund, like what do you recommend for people? A small fund, a fund can be anything, man. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason. When you say small, what do you think it is? A few million. Got it. You know, okay. right. A few million to 10 million. Yep. And when you think about, okay, like, you know, someone had a successful exit, you know, CEO, former CEO like yourself, and then all of a sudden they want to get into investing, what's the best way to get going? Best way is actually to work with someone who's actually done this because that's the easy, you know, I, um, years ago I had a mentor. He was the president of Sandhill Angels. He was a very mm -hmm. successful angel, old school angel investor in Silicon Valley. I worked for him for a year. And one thing he drilled into me was angel investing is the easiest way to lose your money. Because he would actually mentor a lot of like former entrepreneurs who would come in and become, you know, now that they have made their money, they want to invest in other entrepreneurs. The problem is 
you look at it like an entrepreneur. You look at someone pitching to you and think, yeah, and you look at it as how you could do it. Yeah, right. that's easy. I could pull it off. This is what I would do, blah, 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 and you mess in it. But you're not betting on you doing it. You're betting on that person. That's mm. the mistake most people make, and that's where they lose their money. And there's other things as well that I look at. I look at, like, who are the other investors in the round? Because I look at them as door openers. Who's going to open the doors, right? I look at a lot of different factors like that, but in the end, it's the people, and can they pull this off? And some of it comes from experience. So I wouldn't say just go out and start writing checks, because you will learn by losing money. And it's, not, it's a shitty way to learn. You know, I'll tell you, like, I was very humble with my fund, man. I I only went in alongside the deals where the very top investors were in there, and I knew their record, and I knew the way they think, because I know them. And I would call them, and I would, like, figure out from them, like, why they were investing in this particular one. You got to leave your ego at the door if you want to be good at this, if you haven't done this before. It's like anything, right? And you really have to find a couple of people or one person who's, like, really, who has a record in this, who's thoughtful, who has actually proven record. And, you know, basically them to be able to guide you, either you invest in their fund and then ask them, like, look, let me do sidecar deals with you as a return. I've done that with some people where, like, look, you invest in my fund and and then when there's extra room in these deals, I'll let you put in, I'll get you in extra money. And also I'll teach you what I'm doing alongside with deal by deal. It's so it's better than theory. We're co-investing together. That's one very good because, you know, if you just go to a successful investor and say, look, I'd like your time. I'd like you to teach me. They're going to say no. Like, I, don't, I am trying to make a living. I have my LPs. I have. So you always have to be a value in anything. If you want something from someone, you have to be a value. So you then invest in their fund and do sidecar deals and learn from them. I would say that's the best way to do it, right. honestly. But if you go out and just start going to conference and start writing checks, you may get lucky. But look, you don't want to invest money hoping for luck. You want to have competitive advantage if you're doing anything, you know, in marketing, whatever. And anything you do, you want to have a competitive advantage. And here, competitive advantage is knowledge and experience. It's not something that you can outsource. It's something that you actually have to, like, you have to go to the best, stick your ego at the door, and learn alongside people you respect. You talked about, I mean, one thing that's really important is always deal flow, right, when it comes to investing. So if someone's starting out, they're like, okay, Kamal, I don't have any connections. I don't even know how to get this deal flow thing going. What do you recommend for people to get there? Well, in that case, go to AngelList. I mean, look, go to AngelList. There's a lot of great stuff on there. It's available. And then start selecting and seeing who's investing in what. Uh, but deal flow is the name of the game in investing and in private investing. And you know what? There's a lot of deal flow out there. Most of it's garbage. Everyone's trying because look, 90 something percent of startups fail. Right. That's the dirty little secret of this industry. You're already investing with the odds against your 90 something percent. So you got to really be careful. You know, like I, I and you got to like always be willing to pass on the good, knowing to bet on the great because you'll get stuff along that's good. But like, look, a 2x or 4x return will actually result in losses because you're investing in a bunch of companies. One of my investments in my fund had a 70, 70x return. And another one will probably have, I have a couple like that that have like close to 100x returns. Though each one of those makes returns your fund, right? You need those kind of returns. And for that, you got to be really careful about how you invest. All right. And I'm going to pick your brain on potential investing resources or books afterwards as well. Um, and we're working towards wrapping up here. So I do want to talk about, you said a couple months ago, you're on an operating table. Can you talk about that? Oh, yeah. I, I had an um, elective surgery. It was just to fix an old athletic injury. And then 12 hours after that, something went terribly wrong. And I basically almost died. And they had to do emergency surgery to save me. And I'm still recovering from that. You know, it was, it was a pretty rough experience. I mean, that's what it is. Do you think, I mean, going through that experience, because I mean, obviously, you know, 
most people haven't gone through that right? almost died or basically died for you know a little bit was there any type of epiphany moment or anything like that yeah, I've thought a lot about it. And honestly, yes and no. I mean, look, anything in life can give us epiphany moment. I already try to live a very, like a mindful life. So I don't think it gave me anything that I don't already live. Maybe it just showed me more. Maybe you just realize the finiteness of life, the importance of just, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, it, I'll start to get all sorts of cliche. And I don't want to do that. Every day is a gift. Yeah, yeah. But, you, you know, but you forget that. Let's be honest, man. The mind catches up with you. You forget that. What I would say is just avoid such experiences. You don't need them. <laughs> you know, we can, we can like have epiphanies every day from just the very basic stuff, from the act of living. All right. How about what's one favorite book that you'd recommend? It could be on investing, could be on anything that you're interested in, but it cannot be one of your books. Favorite book that you'd recommend? One of my favorite books of all time is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Beautiful little book about following your dreams. It's been one of the, I think it's one of the best-selling books actually in the world for many, many years. And there's a reason for it. Very simple book, very simply written, a story about following your dreams. Had a big impact on me. Great. Highly recommend it. Cool. We'll drop that in the show notes. And then how about a favorite tool that you use every day? It could be like an aura ring, a Peloton bike, could be like, I don't know, Evernote, whatever. Honestly, I've been cutting down on all those. I, you know, I'm living more simply. You know, I go to the gym. I like lifting things. So like <laughs> there's, I'm actually more and more to the basics. My tool might be like, <laughs> I don't know, man. You know what I've been spending time on? But this is a times like is Reddit. You know what I mean? You want to see all of humanity, right? Go to Reddit. It's, it's pretty comical. But you know the great thing about Reddit? You can have a question about anything in the world. Any random thing. And you will find someone there who will answer your question, which I find just amazing. You know, just all of the, the shittiness and also the magic of humanity in one place. Dude, I'll, I'll tell you, sometimes when I'm eating lunch for a couple minutes, I'll pull up. There's actually these entire videos that read Reddit threads that are fascinating. And I'll just play that on double speed. Literally, it could be like, oh, you know, what's the most craziest thing you've seen in an Uber ride, right? And there's just like all this nut stuff. And then now all my, vi my recommended videos are just Reddit threads. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, you guys can check that out uh, online or you could just go read I'll warn Reddit. you though, Reddit's a time suck. Be careful. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. It's the irony, right? Like you're making yeah. things simple, but then it's like you got this gigantic yeah. time suck. But everyone yeah, needs so like a guilty pleasure. That one, that one guilty pleasure. Yeah. You know? But like, yeah. but what I found there is if I'm fascinated about something, I'm finding more and more that I'll go to Reddit first because you're getting people's individuals' opinions. Some of them are, you know, really ridiculous yeah. opinions, but you're getting people's individual experience on it. Yeah. If I want to learn something on fitness, I'll probably go to Reddit and just like read up on it because like you will find a lot of very passionate people sharing stuff there. You know, so like that's one thing I use Reddit for. Yeah. Reddit is awesome. All right. Final question for you. Which company or founder are you following right now? I'm not really following any per se, honestly. I mean, I just... That's fair. Yeah, I'm not really following any for per se. I just like, I'm, I'm going with whatever my interest is, is at the moment. All right. Well, Kamal, what is the best way for people to find you online and also to get your book as well? Well, the book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. If you get it, thank you. It is a beautiful book and it, it's, you will enjoy it and you'll get something out of it. You can find it anywhere. Bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local independent bookstore if you like supporting local businesses. You can get the audiobook, whatever. It's published by Harper. You know, they're actually the same publisher as Alchemist, which I find beautiful. And you can find me online, the usual suspects, just, you know, my name on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. 
Love it. And my Come emails on. are in my, my emails in my book if you want to email me. You don't want to drop it in here? No. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get the book first. <laughs> yeah. I'd be mean, like, look, I mean, like, it's a beautiful, special book. And I put my email there for a reason. I put my email there for readers, you know, Love to it. contact. All right, guys, go pick up the book. Kamal, thanks so much for doing this. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me, man. I enjoyed this. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.